Hey everyone, before we get to the episode, I'd like to share a little word with you from our sponsors, Odds Crowd. Are you the best football better in the United States? At Odds Crowds, our friends are challenging you to prove it this fantasy season with their epic free-to-play fantasy betting contests. One of my favorite things to do is be betting and not actually have to lose any actual cash. There's over $30,000 in cash prizes up for grabs, both season-long and weekly contests on NFL and college football. Here's how it works. Once you enter a contest, you place risk-free fantasy bets against real odds and lines, much like you would with any pick tracking app. The most profitable players are rising up the leaderboard. If you have the highest profit at the end of the contest, you win. And Odds Crowd isn't just fantasy betting contests. It's a social app for sports bettors. Free to download, you can live group chat with other bettors, track your bets, and set up private fantasy contests with your buddies and much more. So download the app for free or go to oddscrowd.com. All right, Dante, you ready? What is going on, everybody? Welcome in to yet again another episode of Rookie on the Rise. And ladies and gentlemen, this is your host, Britt Sanders, on the mic with you today. And I have brought back one of the very first guests, I think, ever in Rookie on the Rise history. My main man, Dante, still rocking with Pater Profile. Still doing the business. You can find him on Twitter at Dante underscore PPP. Dante, how the hell you doing, man? We finally got new setups. We sound clear. We're not speaking underwater. What's going on? Uh, it's been great, man. It's been great. Thanks for having me back. Uh, just finished um, putting out dinner for the little one, one-year-old. Uh, was a, a little bit late because I had to update Zoom and whatnot, but, but we're here, ready to go. <laughs> yeah, it's it's all good listen i got a draft in less than 30 minutes we're just gonna ride and we're gonna have fun we're gonna laugh and we're gonna see where this takes us you know it's gonna be all good it's all gravy baby it's all gravy and speaking of gravy we're gonna segue real real nice like see that's how good i've gotten i've gotten segues without talking about them even though i'm talking about them we're gonna talk about the question of the show all right so if you had to choose one homemade meal to cook for the rest of your life, what homemade meal would you choose? Ooh, that's a that's that's a tough one because if you have to cook it, it has to be something that you want to taste along the way, right? Like you can you can put out this fancy thing, but like the work that goes into it, that's a that's a tough one. Um, I would probably say like a good old fashioned like fried chicken. Oh, very cliche, very cliche. Fried chicken. Uh, macaroni and cheese, mashed potatoes, um, maybe give you like some side of broccoli, you know, some, some other fruit in there, kind of give you a little bit of balance. Um, it's, it's real easy to do that. That's really what I'm going with. Um, you can never really go wrong with chicken. Um, I mean, you can do some other things. You can throw some other stuff on there. Um, same thing with macaroni and cheese, like the, the, the cheesy, gooey, flavorful. I mean, we've been watching a lot of, uh, cooking channel a lot of guys grocery games they just had like this cheesy competition the things you can do with that um are endless so um when you're trying to go along that route something that's easy ish to make something that you're going to enjoy eating every single day um that's probably going to be it for me what about you i think 
for me, a home cooked meal is tuna noodle casserole. There's just something about tuna that I love. It's a staple. It was a staple in my house, my household, my mom and dad. My fiance doesn't like canned tuna. Mm -hmm. So I have it when she's like gone because for the day, because otherwise she'll smell it. It's like a cat. It's ridiculous. But I, (laughs) I, I love it. And it's so versatile. And you can add so many different just spices to make it to your choosing. But a pro tip when we're talking about cooking and fried chicken, I'm sure you know this, but like most of these listeners are uneducated. We got to let them know chicken thighs is where it's at, folks. Chicken oh, yeah. thighs. Don't be doing that to the breasts. They don't want none of them. Give them to the thighs. All right. We're about them thighs. And also, uh, I've been recently watching Instagram cooking videos before I go to bed. There's nothing quite like a nice sleep of watching someone saute onions and do something like that. I don't know what it is, but it just knocks me out like that. It's, it's, oh, it's poetry. It's poetry. Oh, and you, you put that to use the next day. You feel yeah, like uh, exactly, man. <laughs> it's like incepting myself. It's the best in the world. Best in the world. But before we get off on too many cooking tangents, let's dive into the NFC North. Ladies and gentlemen, we are going to be wrapping up this segment. You are listening to this. I am going to be on a beach in Mexico 95% more likely to be drunk or swimming. All right. So if you're going to hit me up on Twitter when this drops, please do. But you have to know there's like a 72 hour service window when I'm going to be incapacitated. <laughs> all right. But we are going to do over under to the NFC North. And the beautiful thing about this, and why I'm so happy to have Dante on, is it's literally two players. And these are two players we hyped up. And so I'm really pumped to talk about. But first, Let's dive into Justin Fields, currently being ranked by Fantasy Pros for 292 completions off of 463 pass attempts, 3,138 passing yards for 19 touchdowns, 11 interceptions, 82 rush attempts for 416 yards, three rushing touchdowns, nine fumbles. That's a lot of over. That's a lot of uh, turnovers for 221 points. Dante. What are you seeing here? What are you going to take the over on? What are you taking the under on? So, so first off, I think it, it's all going to be predicated based on how many games he starts, right? Um, I, I've been one who's thought that he doesn't sit for longer than one game, and I would bank that he doesn't sit longer than two quarters. I think he's going to get the uh, Deshaun Watson treatment. Uh, basically, they're going to come out against the Rams struggle a a ton and then what he's going to do is uh, light it up in the second half and it's going to be his team moving forward Um, I would venture to say if that doesn't happen we're going to be taking the under on a on a lot of these Um, but on first glance if we're looking at a 17 game season um, I think pass attempts um, will probably be uh, over passing yards will be way over I think we'd be much closer to uh, the 35 to, to 3,600 um, passing TDs, I think it's fair. Interceptions, I think it's fair. Um, rushing attempts, um, rushing yards will probably be a little bit over. In the preseason, he's been rushing for roughly like 30, uh, 35 yards, 40 yards or so. Um, and rushing TDs, I think he'll get closer to about five and fumbles. Um, I think will be a little bit under. Uh, again, it's going to come largely down to if he's starting uh, week one or two or not. Um, but I, I honestly think that he has the opportunity to blow all of these out of the water. 
Um, they're going to be a, they're going to be a team that has a, a stout enough defense um, that they should be um, able to have a balanced attack. Um, but there are going to be uh, there are going to be times where they're going to get you know ramrodded and steamrolled, and they're going to mm-hmm. have to throw the ball. He's going to be running around. Mm-hmm. He's going to be making plays. Uh, the types of plays that Andy Dalton um, can't really make. Uh, Andy Dalton's a formidable starter, but uh, look, the coaches are, are living dangerously if they want to keep Andy Dalton is in long term. So um, I think he can smash every one of these, um, but it's really going to come down to what the coaches think as far as their uh, job security and uh, the front office's job security. So uh, what, what are your thoughts? My personal feelings right now, they have sat him out for about, they have him statted out for 14 games. Mm-hmm. If you're averaging like 33 pass attempts a game. I think that Mac, Nagy is going to get meta on us and sit Justin Fields for two thirds of the season. I think he'll come in around week 11 or 10. Uh, and I think that's pretty much going to solidify him being fired, which is way better for Justin Fields on the long term than oh, Matt Nagy getting extended for three or four more years, you know. But if I had to choose any part of this on his line, I'm going to go under on his turnovers. Nine rushing fumbles and 11 interceptions just seem really, really high for someone that didn't really have turnover issues at OSU. So I think, I mean, this has been a trend consistently with rookie quarterbacks as they're just figuring more turnovers, which makes sense because obviously it's a faster type of play, except apparently not the Justin Fields who got (laughs) clobbered the next week. Right. Um, I, I think, I like most of this more likely than not. He's going to have more than three rushing touchdowns as well. So I'll, I'll probably go over three rushing touchdowns and under uh, the 20 ish fumbles. They have him set it out for about four, six for about five yards per rush on his current rush attempts, which I think is criminally low. Oh, yeah. I'll also go o- over on his rushing yards. I, I like Justin Fields, man. He's, I, in waffling and have been waffling with him being quarterback one or yeah, quarterback one or Trey Lance being quarterback one. And then it's like, well then fuck is Trey Trevor Lawrence quarterback three. Like I can't, I don't know if I can do that, <laughs> but it, it's going to be really interesting to see how Matt Nagy handles this because they got death row the first couple weeks. And after that, it's sort of a relatively easy schedule to ease Justin Fields in, but I don't see the bears making it to the playoffs this year. I mean, they're not going to beat the Vikings and they're not going to beat the Packers. Even with Justin Fields, it's super unlikely. So then it comes down to what they think is best for the organization and what Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace are able to pull together with the ownership. Because if the ownership says, hey, listen, you have your franchise quarterback, take care of him, we'll take care of you. Then I don't think Justin Fields sees the field until midway, halfway, or late in the season. Because he's already made it clear he wants them to sit, right? Uh, yeah. But yeah, that's the biggest concern right now is when Justin Fields is going to be going to be starting. You, you know, since you since you brought that up, I, what I kind of hearken it to is the situation with the Browns. I I think the way you explained it is probably how it's going to happen. As much as I would hope that you know he's playing early, as much as we all would hope that he's playing early, we want to see these guys who can handle it do so early um if he had a better player in front of him of course i would love to see a quarterback sit if you have a better player in front of you but andy dalton isn't that uh, i i think it's going to happen like the browns where the the coaching staff 
the front office, they're going to say, hey, we want to keep this guy under bubble wraps. We want him to learn. We don't want him to um, suffer behind the O-line. Uh, I know Tevin Jenkins has had a couple of uh, injuries still. Uh, they re- or they signed a one-year deal to uh, Jason Peters, who, you know, best days are probably behind him, but they're trying to do what they can. Uh, in the preseason, they were getting clobbered. So maybe sitting him is best. And then what they see is, okay, well, this offense is still archaic. The defense still needs some work. Even though we told you it's okay that you could sit him, we're firing you anyway. Like, I I feel like if they sit him, there is zero chance that they keep their jobs. I think the only opportunity that they have is he gets a spark. They see a, a, a confidence in Justin Fields, and they see a, you know, six, seven, eight win season where those wins came because of the, uh, Matt Nagy, Justin Fields, com- uh, uh, Matt Nagy, Justin Fields combo. And if you take the coach away, then you're going to do a detriment to the, the player. That would be the only way I could see them keep their job. If they sat Justin Fields, unfortunately, I feel like there's zero chance that those guys are going to be coming back next year. Uh, what say you? Yeah, I, it could be, uh, mind games at that point. You know, I just think the bears are in a very treacherous path right now. Right. And I just they don't know where to go because the Vikings are getting better and the Packers are about to fall apart. So they may just wait until 2023 or 2022 because the Lions are Lions are by far right now projecting to be a top franchise in that division in 2023. If they continue on this path and if Mr. Campbell, oh, oh, Mr. Old knee, knee, uh, Mr. Old knees is able to handle it, handle the responsibilities appropriately. So it's speaking of the Lions. I know this is your boy. This is my boy who I've just been kind of in and out on. I think we can both say that him dropping to the fourth round was a surprise to say the least. Yeah. Criminal seems likely just given everything that we've seen. There's something that happened that we just don't know. And it can't just be that he's not athletic because we've seen court running wide receivers that aren't super athletic do really good things. Keenan Allen. But currently, they have Amon Ross St. Brown statted out for 41 receptions. My goodness. 506 yards, two and a half touchdowns, no fumbles for 106 PPR fantasy points. Dante, what is the likelihood that Amon Ross St. Brown breaks 41 receptions in seven games, in the first seven games? Uh, I, I think it's relatively likely. I mean, he's not, he's not in a situation where he's fighting for a ton of targets. We have... A, a running back room who can catch the football in a, in a quality tight end. And generally um, I, I, f- I forget which NFL analyst, I think it was Adam rank was talking about the combination between um, your running back target share and your tight end target share that they usually cannibalize each other. So when everybody is talking about Deandre Swift is going to be Alvin Kamara and then TJ Hawkinson is going to be Travis Kelsey and nobody else is going to eat. I think it's much more likely that they, both are, are very good, but that they cannibalize each other on some of those targets. And then, you know, guys in the slot, Tyrell Williams, because of uh, Brashad Perriman's uh, cut being cut, uh, Quintus Cephas, those guys kind of benefit a little bit more. I think we talked about before, I think I, I comped him to Doug Baldwin. Um, I think he has a very great opportunity to be like Jared Goff's Cooper Cup. Um, I, I, I think all of these numbers are all safe floor numbers when you you don't want to look like you're crazy and over projecting things but like he's going to 
he's going to blow all of these out of the water. It's, it's, it's a done deal. Even if he has a low a dot and he's not, you know, playing on the outside, which is, I've seen the argument from a lot of people that he's not playing a ton outside. Um, he doesn't need to be though. Exactly. Exactly. He if That's you're not his role. Yeah. If you're going to get the share from the slot and you're going to, I mean, I think in three games um, playing, you know, the first, second quarter, he had like six catches, 28 yards. That's not anything to write home about. Um, but he also had a couple of catches that were brought back because of penalty. The the usage that they're giving him is, is he got exactly what you saw from uh, Cooper Cup. So, I mean, uh, if you're expecting this team to be good, you're going to assume that they're going to have the opportunity to throw within the middle of the field, run the ball, play action, et cetera, et cetera. If you're assuming that this team is going to be bad, then they're going to spread it out and they're going to have to chuck it around in order to keep up with the games. I don't think there's any situation, barring injury, that he's hits the under on any one of these numbers. I, I agree. So I'm just scrolling back through Monroe St. Brown's preseason work, limited as is. First game, two receptions. For two catches second game five five targets for two receptions third game three targets or yeah three targets for two receptions and then uh fourth game there's not a fourth game why are you doing this to me sleeper it's out here <laughs> make me act a fool anyways if you it, i i put down the math of what amonra would need to do reception wise to break that in the first seven games it's 5.85 receptions a game i mean let's be honest like the Lions aren't going to be winning like any games. I think very, I think, would you agree that Lions more likely than not are going to be probably under seven game, what games won this year? Yeah, I think most projections have them as a bottom 12 team in the league. I think it's pretty safe to say that they're, you know, a, a four to seven win team. Um, you know, if they're able to run the ball as well as they would hope and play better defense than they did last year because they were horrendous uh, on defense. And it sounds like that's what Campbell wants to do. Um, you know, ball control, high efficiency, uh, that, that all fits the bill to, you know, okay, instead of taking a ton of shots on the outside, let's hit play action. Let's throw the ball on sticks, you know, out routes in the slot over things of that nature, dump it off to our running backs. Let's move the chains. Let's play good defense. All that stuff fits the narrative for this player. So it, it, it just baffles me when people continue to say, you know, maybe he's overrated, even though there's all these targets up for grabs and, you know, they have not a ton of people that are proven to take them. They're like, ah, no way. It's like Brashad Perriman was the next most proven guy. So now it's Quintez Cephas. Amon Williams and Amon Ross St. Brown. Yeah, it's like, what are, what are we talking about? What here? are we doing here, right? What, what are we doing here? Yeah, I mean, like, okay, sure, he's not going to be running a lot of X or Y, but you know what he's going to be running? Slot. And you know why he's going to be running slot? Because Dan Campbell isn't going to be able to be running DeAndre Swift 75 times because, A, it's just not going to work that way, and, B, they're not going to be in winning games. I'm pulling up their schedule and I counted two games. I feel comfortable saying they could win. Uh, they are, could beat the Broncos and they could beat the Falcons. And then you have to just assume they go half and half in the division because those games are always so wonky. So that's five games right there. Mm-hmm. So just by transitive properties, <laughs> they're going to be throwing a fuckload. And like, what do we know with Jerry Goff? You know what he excels with? He excels when he's like, this guy's going to be open 
find him quickly and get the ball out of your hands. That's not Quintez yeah. Cephas. That could be Tyrell Williams. That's going to be TJ Hawkinson and DeAndre Swift. And that's also going to be Amon Ra St. Brown. Now I want to quickly vault. So I'm going over on everything here, except for fumbles, because I think it's stupid as hell that they gave him this. <laughs> it's ridiculous, right? But what I want to talk about is his dynasty value after this year, because this is my concern. And I want to hear your feelings on it. They're going to be a bottom 12 team, probably bottom eight, bottom seven at the end of the season. So they're going to have some really good draft capital moving forward. More likely than not, they're probably going to go and invest in a quarterback. And if they don't invest in a quarterback, they're probably going to continue to bolster the offensive line or go with a defensive edge, a position of need that's going to help solidify the franchise moving forward. Now, the 2022 class is featuring four top-tier wide receivers. George Pickens tore his ACL, so we'll see how far he drops in the draft, but it shouldn't be too much, assuming he comes out next year. And this free agency for wide receivers is chock full of really good wide receivers. And the Lions have plenty of cap space. So my concern with Amon Ross St. Brown is, is when is the right time to sell him in Dynasty? Because I think it's safe to say that his performance this year is probably going to be his best performance because it's extraordinarily likely he turns from his wide receiver one this year into the wide receiver three in an offseason by bringing in a high-profile rookie and a high-profile free agent. Do you feel like there's a like you're willing to ride the bus with a Monroe St. Brown? Or are you going to try to capitalize on some of this hyped-up value and see if you can turn a Monroe into a, a more stable producer moving forward for Dynasty? So I think it has everything to do with what your roster construction is. I think the last time we spoke, uh, I, I very much so do a, a lot of research on uh, what I can do now, what I can do next year, and what I can do the year afterwards. And I don't really play too much more for the future than, you know, the next year or two. Um, I actually just traded Amon Ross St. Brown um, a couple of uh, days ago. Um, I'm sorry I, for your I, loss. I know I, it, it, it pained me to do so, but I, I, I'm a, with a roster. Um, it was an orphan team that I picked up and I kind of blew it up, made a bunch of changes and, and kind of stumbled on like a win now mode. So then what I did was I traded, um, I traded for Tom Brady and Dalvin cook. And then I moved Carson Wentz, JK Dobbins, Amon Ross St. Brown and Kenneth Gainwell. Ooh. Sheesh. Is this pre-injury so, uh, or post-injury? This is a uh, pre-injury. Pre-injury. Oh. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah. Oh my so, God, Dante. Yeah. Oh baby. Big big haul. Big big haul. But um, it it basically turned my team around. I had a, a need it a quarterback and wasn't going to be able to compete if Wentz had the uncertainty that he had. Um, but that kind of shows like how highly I was and how highly you know our our counterparts were on him. Uh, I, I think that if you have the ability to just add assets, his value still isn't high enough, in my opinion. I don't think enough people feel about him like we feel about him. I think you have your 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 niche, but like for the most part, I think people, you know, are hey, can I can I throw out a second round uh, 2022 second? Um, and and uh, 
I'm not an expert. I haven't dove into this next class. I'm usually want the, the, the following class, I'll dive in as everybody else does, but you and other Debbie people have been telling me, you know, the depth in the 2022 class is not as strong or not as deep as the 2023 class. So in a 2022 second, if you can do that and maybe a, a third later, or maybe a, a, a player for Amon Ra, I would do so. But I, I definitely agree with you that there are some concerns long-term and it's going to largely come down to who the quarterback is because if it's Jared Goff, I think that you have no issue unless they sign Chris Godwin, they sign a guy who is a traditional slot guy, then we have an issue, but you know, or something even, like that, right? Yeah. Like even, but if, if they, if they sign a primary X or, you know, Z kind of guy, um, that is not going to affect him as much. Now, if they, if they come and they draft Spencer Rattler, again, I'm not as worried because you're probably going to see a lot more 11 personnel um, than you would with Jared Goff, where you're going to try to run the ball and protect him and, you know, play a lot of 12 and, you know, things 21 and things of that nature. Um, so if they do get a more established quarterback where they're looking to really, you know, spread it out, I do think he can maintain that value. So um, I'm not really worried about his value long-term unless you see like a Juju or Godwin, somebody who's going to directly affect his role, then, then like all bets are off, but that's a, that's a, a bet I'm willing to, to take because if, if he plays as well as we hope that he is it wouldn't make sense for the for the organization to say who i can come out and get a new receiver to add let me add a guy who overlaps the guy that we just saw yeah. have a great season right. if if they get godwin that means that amon Ra didn't play well enough and so right. we already had that problem anyway right yeah that's that's a very good point i think the concern is him being pigeonholed into that slot right area because it, it we're we know dan campbell's going to want to run a lot of 12 personnel you know what i'm yeah. saying he he is the old school he is the new pete carroll you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. he's going to throw two tight ends out there he's going to throw jamal williams as h back he's going to put De- jamal or uh deandre behind and he's going to say y'all can run this 35 times i don't give a <laughs> shit we're going we gonna win this game tooth and nail seven nine that's the game i want to win and that's yeah, not funny. indicative they're winning for fantasy that's not no. at all. That's not what we want. It's not no. what we want. Uh, I mean, I'm very high on Amon Ross St. Brown. I don't remember where I have him in my redraft rankings. Uh, speaking off brand, I want to say that he's probably criminal where I have him. I need to probably bump him up, especially with Paramin leaving. But let's see. I have eight Browns. Amon Ross St. Brown's ranked number 59 right now in a PPR league. That seems a little low, but also a little high. I don't know if you've had a draft or rank redraft, but that shit's hard, man. So fucking hard. There's too many good wide receivers in the top like 30. Right? I, I don't know who to put. Like, there's too many for top 24. The fuck off. I'm doing 32. It's, it's also worse because you're a big time Debbie guy and you're always looking at the long-term value and that kind of can cloud your judgment, you know, year to year. I, I, I had somebody tell me that, they wouldn't draft uh, T.Y. Hilton or not T.Y. Hilton, um, Adam Thielen. He's on this do not draft list. And I was like, why though? Like it, that doesn't make any sense to me. Like it, they're, they're going to continue to throw the ball. He's going to continue to get a pretty solid uh, target share as it compares to other people. Yeah. Their team might not throw it a ton, but they're getting the ball a ton. You know, that's Kirk Cousins guy in the red zone. Like 
I, it does. It doesn't make sense to me to fade old guys in redraft, like especially guys that are going appropriately. So yeah, no. Feeling feeling is going. I, just a little. Feeling's uh, biggest concern now is his touchdown regression because everything else has Absolutely. been falling right. Absolutely. But I think the Vikings are going to be running a lot more than they were, which makes me worried about Justin Jefferson at his ADP too. I think it's like it's possibly he drops out of the top twelve this year, right? And I don't think it's an indicative one. I do too. I was talking yeah. about it last night in a group chat and I was like, Hey, I'm a little worried about Justin Jefferson for redrafts. And they're like, why? I go, because the likelihood that he retains that expectation of last year is on like, he's not going to do better than last year, this year. He, he's not, he could replicate it, but he's not going to do better. Mm-hmm. And so he's going to do worse. So then it's how much worse. And it could be a lot worse, especially if the Vikings are going to be running an ass load. Right. But I want to get you out of here on a pedestal so i want to challenge you and give the people something you want seared in their brain moving into the 2021 season something that when it happens like damn it dante was right fuck yeah (laughs) what do you got what can you give the good people uh let's go with saquon barkley rb1 overall player one Oh shit! No, like the highest scoring fantasy player this highest year, is Saquon Barkley. Player, Saquon Barkley. Woo! Are we going PPR or half point? Uh, what, whatever format you want. Doesn't matter. It's all aboard. Choose your format. Yes, he, he, he that's the hot. I went the hottest. That is the fire <laughs> we're here for, baby. Yeah. All right. The Please, Dante, where can the folks find you? Where do you got working on it? They want to support you. How can they do so? Yeah, so um, what, what we've been doing, we had a little bit of hiatus. I've been trying to learn. I've been trying to uh, gather information. I appreciate you having me. I appreciate you helping me out with uh, hosting and giving me tips on, on how to become a better host. Um, we're at the Pater profile, um, basically everywhere, you know, Facebook, um, Instagram, um, our Gmail. Uh, you can also find me personally, uh, as he said earlier, at Dante underscore PPP. Um, interact with us, give us feedback, give us pointers. Um, you can find the podcast, old episodes on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, all the like. Um, we're going to have some new episodes coming out um, when the season starts. I'll probably have some more solo episodes before we can get the group back together. Um, but until then, I appreciate you having me, Britt. It's been great. And uh, good luck in that draft, man. I appreciate it. I will absolutely be letting the good people of Twitter know how it goes because last year, two years ago, we had someone draft the Chicago Bears in the fourth round. Last year, somebody stacked Lamar Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes. This is a one quarterback league. It gets wild. It is a league that's been here for 12 years and it's basically a bunch of sons and dads and it's really fun. Do you win every year? No, I've been in the championship three years in a row and I've lost twice because I mismanaged my championship roster. It is the most gut-wrenching feeling in the world. If you don't know pain until you sit Giovanni Bernard and lose by two points that Gio could have won you by. Oh, that's rough. Life is fun. Life is fun. Ladies and gentlemen, we are here to make you better and have your process be better. My goal is to make me irrelevant and have you not even need me. But until then, keep tuning in. I appreciate you so much. Your time is valuable and it means a lot. You spend it with me. You know where to find me on Twitter at BFF Samam. You can find my redraft writings and Debbie or Dynasty writings at ffaffair.com. You can find my redraft writings at breakoutfinder.com. There should be one coming out shortly. And you can find me going deep into some Debbie stuff on YouTube at Debbie Deep Dive. Y'all are the best. 
Have a great day. Tell your loved ones that they're loved. And that's the show. Peace.